Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining me this week, the legend himself, Lavender Gooms. I appreciate the respect you're finally paying me, Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Mark. Now, there are actually a lot of good days today. Obviously, first, happy belated Mother's Day to all the mamas out there, all the baby mamas. For sure. No. Same all people. Them. All of them. No, nah, one of them is more one of them is more legit. You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um but anyway. <laughs> Mike just diminished the whole group of people <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> but we have a lot of uh, good days today, you know, Peace Officers Memorial Day, International Day of Families, National Chocolate Chip Day, that's a good one. National Nylon Stocking Day. For any ladies who are over 60 years old, you know, shout out to you. But more importantly, I wish you all a happy International Kangaroo Care Awareness Day. Uh, I'm not aware. I feel like this is they're dropping the ball today because I wasn't aware of this or today was the day to be uh, appreciative of it. Kangaroos well, aren't doing good. Now you are. I mean, I, I guess I guess they need your awareness, but apparently this person is so unaware of it that everyone else for all these other days there's a you know an app and applicable picture for the international kangaroo care awareness day whoever put this up it's a baby of a fucking newborn human <laughs> easy to get <them> confused <laughs> i guess so they're both pink and squishy i assume actually, i actually have no idea what a baby kangaroo looks like i i i Pink and squishy is probably yeah. fair. I think most newborn things come out Mammal? a little that bit. That sounds about right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, would like to wish a happy birthday to a man who just ruined Mike's day anytime he showed up when Mike would watch baseball as a Mets fan, uh, John Schmoltz. Shout out to John ah, Schmoltz. Schmoltz. John Schmoltz, legend. Man who was a starting pitcher, and they said, hey, you want to be a closer? And he's like, fucking all right. And then he was great at that, too. Do you remember that shit? They were just like one day that he was the closer, and I was like, Will he agree to keep doing it? He's like, okay. <laughs> How shitty was their bullpen that they take one of their three future Hall of Fame starting pitchers who was still doing the damn thing as a starting pitcher and said, yo, be our closer. It must have been just like a fucking disastrous. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember as a kid because it was like a good, like he was, he did it for a few years. Yeah. You normally don't become the starting, the closer after a starting pitcher. I mean, actually now this day and age, you start, you don't really turn into a closer. This is like an old school mentality of like, you're useless. Let's make you a relief pitcher, including closer. Yeah. Now you, now you know you pay a closer like twenty million a year, and he, you know, tears his shit in a World Baseball Classic game, and all the money you invested in trumpets for your team just is just put on the back burner. <laughs> I'm just taking, I'm just taking shots at the Mets now, Mike. Okay. Um, yeah, all right, boys and girls, yourself, we're gonna talk about uh, Jaltenheim Almeida. A guy last week, Mark's like, you know, I don't like picking a guy I don't know that well. 
And, you know, I'm just doing it because you're hyping him up a bunch and the line and stuff. Marcus, well-earned mm-hmm. for Mr. Armada because, let me tell you, I saw the Biggie Boy had trimmed up. Biggie Boy looked good getting off the bus. He looked like he lost some weight. You know, I was feeling pretty good. I was like, uh-oh, is Almeida in trouble here? Well, he got him on the ground, and then Biggie Boy was fucked. Um, what'd you think of Jolton out there, man? This is your first time, I think, watching him fight. What'd you think of, you know, him running through a top 10 heavyweight like that? Yeah, no, it was really impressive to see. Um, and even more so, I think, after the fact, because he, uh, Rosenstrike did come out, and he threw a 1-2, and Jolton shot in, and Biggie Boy was able to stop that takedown. He got the underhooks and was able to stop it. So it was kind of like, okay, the first plan was obviously to get him down. Now you have to stand with him a little bit. Didn't really take that long. You know, he kind of, you know, uh, Rosenstrike did pressure him against the cage. Um, but, you know, Almeida kind of, I think uh, Dominic Cruz put it really good. He lassoed his knees. You know, he mm. basically just buckled the knees. And the big boy went down. And you can you can tell that Rosenstrike obviously spent a lot of time on the ground. He knew that if he got here, it was going to be a very dangerous situation for him. So he was very careful not to try to make the mistakes that, you know, Almeida was hoping he would make. He really tried to keep him in half guard as long as possible. At one point he did dig in the underhook, which would allow him to slowly start getting up. He got up against the cage to try to work himself back up. But ultimately once um, Almeida was able to get past that half guard and got into Mount, it really sunk quickly for Rosenstrike. He immediately turned to his back. The rear naked was sunk in, um, you know, as soon as he gave up his back. And yeah, it was a really good performance. And I think ultimately a good addition to the heavyweight kind of contender series or the division as a whole, because it rose in strike as a striker is like, we've seen him outstruck by other guys. I think Almeida kind of presents a different type of challenge where he's a really high level jujitsu guy and potentially could be an interesting matchup against a John Jones type. So I think that is good. I saw some articles today talking about like where you place him in the top 15. And I, w- I would say like, I think top 10 is early. He was 12. Yeah. And I think Rosenstrike was like 10 or something. Nine. He was nine. Okay. So I think, yeah, nine or, or 10 or something like in that. I don't think he's top five, which was the article I saw. I was like, oh, is should he be shot up to top five? Well, this, I, this I, is what we got right now. We got – and by, here's the thing also. Like, I'm not sure, Mike, did you catch the, any of the post-fight stuff where, like, they were talking to DC and um, – I think it was DC. Dominic was definitely there because they were talking about Jolton, like, what he could do against other guys. Like, oh, do you really th- – and they flat out said the guy's name. I felt bad. They're like, how do you think Cyril Gon would do against this? And, like, they all had a look on their face like, Cyril Gon getting choked immediately. Um well, let's. Uh, what do you What do you think of this guy? Because we got our we got our rankings now, which is John Jones as champion, Cyril Gone is number one contender, I guess. Um, then then Pavlovich, which I think everybody has Pavlovich as the next guy after um, Stipe, who's number three, fights Jones, assuming they pay everybody and this fight ever fucking happens. Then four is Curtis Blades, who is that? Who Pavlovich just put out? Well, how are these people's uh, ranked so high still after getting smoked? I, 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 Lack of death? Who is... Who, no, it's not. We're just talking about all these guys. Look, I'm just saying, you lose to the champion and you get smoked, it does not mean you get to be number one contender automatically. Like, move your ass back. This is a contender list, you know? Um, five is Aspinall, who's finally coming back. And I think he's fighting... Uh, who? Uh, Tybora, maybe? Someone look this up. They just announced who Aspinall's fighting. Um, Dennis Tuivasa, which... Um, big fan, by the way, of um, 
uh, of uh, Almeida calling out Tuivasa, where he's like, I can, I can choke this guy too. Give me another guy I can choke. Then Volkov, then Spivak, then Biggie Boy, then Tybora, then Derek Lewis, then Jolton Almeida. Mike, Tybora. Yeah. Where do you what do you think? You think in like low uh, low end of the top ten for Almeida or higher? What do you what do you think? Well, I think that if anything, he should probably just get what Rosenstrike's um, ranking was nine, and I think that makes sense. Um, while while he was very good in this fight, and I see what DC was saying about that. He, that Gon might get choked out by him. And that's literally just... I think that was more just a dig on Gon's lack of uh, takedown defense. Mm-hmm. I think that's more. I think that was more a dig on Gon than really just singing the praises of, of Almeida, even though Almeida do, did do very well. But I think of a ranking just within the, the top 10 is, is warranted. I don't think he should be getting the title shot in this fight or I think even the next fight. I think there's still a bevy of really good contenders that are still ahead of him. Yeah, he's uh six and zero in the UFC. Oh, sorry, five and zero in the UFC with five finishes, and he was on the contender series with a um, finish there also. He is nineteen and two overall. I don't think he's that young. Thirty one. Oh, he's okay. Um, his nickname is Malhadinho, which means muscly. Which yeah. This dude looks like he's carved out of granite, to be honest. Marcus, you catch a look on the Biggie Boy's face when it was over, where he was just like, "You look." Yeah, he had a look on his face, like, "Man, I didn't even get out of first gear here." Like, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably really disappointing because, like you said, like when he was in half guard, he was doing some of the right things. He was making sure. I mean, because it's not like Almeida was just sitting there; he was trying to pass, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Rosenstrike was able to thwart some of that. Um, and then he did a decent job getting his back up against the cage to potentially start working his way back up. Um, but it really fell apart once he got mount. Um, he got mount. He started throwing down some punches. Rosenstrike tried to return fire for a couple of them and then just turned his back. And it's like the absolute like last thing you want to do. DC in the booth, we're talking about it, is like that was the game plan. Like, you know, he's going to get in the mount. He's going to throw some punches. He's going to turn. He's going to give his back and, and, and choke him out. And that's really it, what it was very, uh, eight, it was do. really like 101. This is how you get a guy to do a rear naked choke off of a fucking yep. takedown type thing, which I mean, and yeah, it worked. And the guy fight. he's a very simple, effective style. So they say he knows how to strike. I don't, I mean, we say these words, but why would this, this was not the fight to find out if you know how to strike. Because the Biggie Boy is a, you know, he's a very good striker. And there's other parts of his game where he's clearly lacking. Um, co-main event was Johnny Walker, Anthony Smith. I thought Johnny Walker did great, man. I thought Johnny Walker, I mean, I, I, this is, you're talking to somebody who had money on Johnny Walker in the first round. And a parlay that had this fight getting a finish. And I still, at the end, was just like, good job, Johnny Walker, man. I mean, Mike, what'd you think? I thought he did, I thought he for a guy who's never won a decision before in the UFC, I mean, I don't think he has. He's never. Won, I don't think he's won one in the UFC a decision. I, I think don't he's, think so. Because my bet, my betting logic was literally like, well, this guy only wins in the first round. Um, I uh, I thought he did. I thought he showed real growth. What do you think, Mike? You're muted, buddy. Whoops, I was muted. Well, he made me eat my words from last week, one leg kick at a time. Uh, 
ultimately amounting to, I think, a record number of leg kicks that he landed in this fight. I think it was 55 plus. But no, he he had a very intelligent game plan and he stuck to it for for three rounds. He methodically chopped down Anthony Smith's lead leg. And by the end of the fight, shoot, by the second round, Mm. Anthony Smith's uh, mobility was very was very compromised. I don't agree with uh, Dana White's comments. I think it was in the the post fight that he said, uh, um, I think something along the lines that he wasn't very that he wasn't impressed by uh, by by Walker's you know attack plan. I think it was I think it was a beautiful fight to watch. Um, if anything, it was almost a little cruel in just how much he actually focused on Anthony Smith's leg. Uh, if you want heartless and you know heartless fighting in the crew in the UFC, I think this counts. As Honestly, it. like I guess like Dana White, Mark, Mark, you said was not happy he didn't go for a finish. There was a point at the end of the fight where I'm like, it looks like he's not. I don't. He looked tired to himself, but I thought he wasn't. Like maybe there was a point in the last minute or two where he wasn't like trying to step on Anthony's throat entirely. But I mean, Anthony was beat like bad. Yeah, I mean. I think for some other fighters, you could take that maybe as a criticism when you have the fight. I have a fighter is hurt as he did with, um, you know, Anthony, that maybe he should have gone for the kill a little bit more that he would have been able to finish the fight. That being said, like Johnny Walker is a guy who has plenty of finishes. Um, and I was just looking up his record, Bob. He The only decision when he had outside of this one was his first UFC fight on the contender series. So okay, so there we go. Count those necessarily. But, but yeah, I think it is a show of growth that like he's you know kind of learning to you know control the fuel tank a little bit better and and pick his shots a little bit more and you know maybe he could have been a little bit more aggressive and got it done but it's like am i going to criticize the guy for not finish the fight where he always finishes the fight and sometimes to his own detriment where he's doing too well, he's much done some dumb shit like it's happened a bunch right. of times and also i think this is good for his, his coach is um uh sbg um Connor's coach, I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like a lot, Kavanaugh, and I felt a lot of like that. You know what happens when a guy, when like a, way, a gym shows up and they get a champion, then all of a sudden all the buddies get into the UFC and they get a lot of hype behind the gym. Felt like that was going on at that gym for a while between like, what's the guy who was actually not very good, but like um, Carl, Pe- Carl, Pendra- right? Carl Pendrad, fucking Artem, fucking um, Gunner's good, but Gunner was there, and then there was the female fighter. Uh, Daily was there also. They like that gym had a lot of people, and then it kind of weaned off. I think it's I don't know. I thought they've doing a good job with him. I thought Johnny Walker looks like a different guy, and I think he's right there. It sounds like they're not going to give him a title fight anyway because Yuri's next probably, and yeah. you know got to get at least one more. You know, I mean Anthony Smith's a big name. He's a title top contender five, wasn't himself. It? Yeah, I huh. think I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't what see is this a lot. Way? Of I mean, this weight class. Everybody's basically the same. Let's go with top right. five. So I mean, I think I think. Walker needed to get a win. He maybe played it a little safer than maybe some fans would have liked. But, you know, I, I feel like I I can be fairly critical of guys. Mm. And I'm not critical of him in this performance. He, he looked sharp. Um, and, you know, again, this isn't a guy that plays it safe normally. Mm. So this is a new wrinkle. Like if it was if this was a constant thing if in the next three fights where it looks like he's demolishing his opposition and, you know, kind of lays off the gas because he's 
tepid to get caught with something you know mm-hmm. even then it's like as long as you get the w it's hard to criticize at the end of the day but this this isn't the fighter we're talking about we're talking about a guy who kind of goes nuts and will throw back fist and big elbows and jumping knees to try to finish the fight and did some of that stuff in this fight too but he didn't just really he didn't floor it to try to get Anthony Smith out of there, which could have been a huge mistake. You know, despite, Anthony Anthony, despite Anthony's attempts to goad him into, he also he tried to goad him into yeah. a brawl. And Anthony was sure. Like, I think Johnny just was confused when Anthony was talking about you stealing from my family or something. I, everyone's everyone's. Well, he said like you're attacking my family, I and think, Johnny kept yelling what? Apparently, <laughs> oh, he's very confused. I think it seemed like Anthony Smith was trying to like hype himself up. Mm. To make it seem like because we all remember, I don't, I don't think it was like a year ago or something where someone like invaded his house and he had like he fought some dude naked for like 30 minutes in his house. And he said it was like it was the most difficult thing and the toughest fight he's ever had. Um, it seemed Wait, like he was trying to hold on yeah. a second. Hold on. Was he naked? Mike's, Mike's, about, to be one, Mike's about to be one of those people who make fun of him for saying it was the toughest fight he's had. Here we go. <laughs> I can see. I can read. I can see the Mike's face. Here we go. Well, <laughs> some no, dude on PCP was... broke into his house or whatever. Man, he's doing what he could. Well, <laughs> first, this this dude out here fighting a dude with his dick just flopping around. That's, that's I think that's what I, I could. I don't remember the guy being naked in the story. I think no, I, no, no, I, I thought I thought Anthony was naked because oh. he was at his house. Oh. And I mean, I, I think that may not be true. Maybe I'm adding to the legend, but. <laughs> well, we all we always want to hear the legend, uh, Mark, not the uh, not the story. But anyway, it was more the he ha- he fought the dude for half an hour. It was some shit you like are that, yeah, a something like UFC that. fighter. Yeah. Who the hell were you fighting? I'm telling you, I think this yeah. was on PCP or something, man. It just kind of I kept mean, going. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> some of the facts here may have been embellished. I'm not quite sure, but I do remember him saying like it was a he long. Fought, he was fighting guy, literally thing. fighting. He was trying to emphasize, I'm fighting guy. Actually, he thought he's fighting to his death with this guy. Is what he thought. Like that's yeah. pretty much it. Uh, he's acting like he was going to retire at the end. The gloves were off, and yeah. he didn't. He didn't Which, talk to him. But I, I feel is it's it's kind of weird because. Yeah, anytime someone takes their gloves off now, like everyone thinks they're going to retire because it's kind of become like a tradition, right? I don't even remember who was the first one to do it. But it was, what I find just weird is like in boxing, those dudes can't wait to get the gloves off. Like the gloves off, like anytime you watch a decision, everyone's gloves off. And I think it's might just because like how much their hands, I don't know, hurt or get. Well, you can, you can still do stuff a little bit with your gloves, though. You know, you can hold the water bottle That's, with the MMA gloves. Okay. <laughs> Great point, Bobby. Boxing gloves, you really can't do anything with your yeah. hands besides punch. That's just probably an, yeah. an apt point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly do feel like he's probably thinking, like, what's left in my career? He's kind of getting to the point where it's like a title is he's not really close to that anymore it's going to take three fights and like does he still have that in it is there still that drive i think that's mm-hmm. something that he could question for himself but um it'd be unfortunate because i don't think he's super old but he's also been in a he's lot pretty of old fights, isn't he so. or he's had a lot of I mean, fights i mean what's old now in the ufc i mean he's 34 but he has 50 he has 54 fights so that's a lot of fun that's a lot i also yeah. remember anthony punched it i mean glover punched the teeth out of his mouth that was not that long ago and we're like this is getting uncomfortable that was Three years ago. So, three years to anniversary. That was the three-year anniversary of him getting his teeth punched out of his mouth, actually, was this Saturday. So, maybe he shouldn't take fights on May 13th. Does not go well on May 13th for this man. Um, Ian Gary, man. Ian Gary looked great. Ian Gary looked real shot. I thought I thought Daniel Rodriguez was fighting real stupid, to be honest. A lot of his strategy. Um, and I thought he was getting in and then, like, not doing anything with it. Uh, Ian Gary... There's a lot of hype behind this kid, Mark. A lot of hype. 
Um, he got dropped in his last fight, which I think is why what, uh, you know, made some people a little bit, and this was a tough one to fight. Daniel Rodriguez is mm -hmm. like, this is a real person. Like, this is a ranked guy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, yeah, I'm not sure if he had a ranking or not. I because he beat Leach. I, this is 170, though. 170, it's 170, right? Mm -hmm. 170 is not a easy place to get ranked. Like, yeah, let's see. Like, what was he before? 170. I, I Ian, Ian he was had a kind of a, yeah, he had a diff he's had kind of a difficult road in the UFC where he hasn't looked. There was a lot of hype behind him, right? He was undefeated. He was coming from Cage Warriors. He was a very bright prospect, much mm -hmm. like Patty Pimlin, kind of entered the UFC at the same time. And he had, yeah, I think his first fight he looked really good, but there were some fights after that where he did like his last fight where he got dropped. And I think even the one after that, he didn't quite look like it was starting to seem like at least to me personally, like maybe the hype was a little too much or maybe the competition he was facing previously was at a different level than what he's seeing at the UFC. And and that's why I picked against him in this fight. Cause I thought Daniel Rodriguez was going to be his first big step. And this might see, this might be where we see him kind of falter a little bit. So to have him come into this fight and really, you know, take the moment and, you know, make a big statement, I think was emphatic. I think that that's really going to resonate throughout his career where this is a kind of a turning point where, He's looked all right in his last couple of fights, but maybe people like myself were starting to question, like, is he of the caliber that's going to be able to hang with the top tier guys, you know? And he put on a great performance. He got a nice finish with a head kick. I don't think Daniel Rodriguez had been finished before and at least knocked out. And this was a, a, a big victory for him. So like you said before the uh, show, Bob, he called out Neil Magny. I think that's a very interesting call out because... Neil is very well-rounded. He's a really good grappler. He's a good striker. It's somewhere that Ian could really, again, if he gets a win there, I think really makes a strong statement that, like, this guy is of that caliber to be ranked in this division. Well, he was, he, he, he beat number 15 just now, and he called out the number 11 guy, which seems very appropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. You beat Neil Magny, that means you're good. That's straight up what it means. It means you're, you are a mm -hmm. top 10 guy is what that means, you know, if you beat Neil Magny. So that's appropriate. Uh, I didn't know he was training down in Florida with Henry Hooft. I like that. I like him doing yeah, that. That's I was good news. By that too. That's yeah. good news. I liked someone's comment, which said Ian Gary is what Patty Pimblett thinks he is. Um, which I mean, everybody's a big fan of shitting on uh, Patty Pimblett. Us too. So I thought it was pretty funny. Twenty-five years old. His nickname is the future. Seems uh, pretty accurate right now, man. He's a big kid, also at one seventy. That's a big kid. Um, Rodriguez is not small. Um, nice knockout for Carlos Yulberg. Uh, Keith Peterson tried to get him killed. The other guy killed out there. The guy put a lot of beating on him there. And Matt Brown tied, uh, Derek Lewis for most knockouts in UFC history at 13. Uh, Connors said that he's coming for that record because Connors got eight somehow, which... He got That's a lot of, a lot of he fights. He's expecting yeah, like, the US. No, but that. I'm like, how does he have eight? Is what I was. So he said he had eight, and I was just like, I mean, besides Max, I think he finished everyone else. Besides yeah. the ones he lost, and Nate, I guess Max and Nate. So he finished. I mean, how many decisions did he Marcus, get? Marcus, and then he finished. So it's Marcus, Diego, Marcus, Diego, Diego Dennis Seaver, uh, uh, Dustin, Ch Dustin, Chad Mendez, Aldo, uh, Aldo, Alvarez. And then uh, Dustin. I think then, he then, finished, uh, Cowboy. Uh, Donald, right. right? Yeah, that's eight. No, it is eight. Okay. I mean, if he's going to fight five, five more fights, and I mean, if he's yeah, going to win fights, that's how it's going to happen. But, well, yeah, so in fairness, 
you, 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 if you saw them clips of sneak peeks from the Ultimate Fighter, Mike saw how big Connor is now. <laughs> that man looks like he could knock out some people. Real talk, like that. there's no way he weighs less than 190 pounds right now. Like, no way he weighs less than 190. Yo, Minimum. 40, 40 of those pounds are just in his jowls, bro. I mean, he like, got a big his old head. head is so thick now. He's always had a big head, but now he just, whoo. Is that fight going to happen ever? That's the question, too. Where they are still we? haven't announced it, but I mean, because he's still in a pissing match with Usada. Just get rid of Usada, man. I don't believe any of these. I saw Jolton Almeida look like a fucking action figure on on Saturday. No one's getting drug tested. I refuse to believe anybody. And I don't refuse to believe there's one fucking Usada lab in Dagestan. Let's put it that way, okay? Let me just put it that way. That's not happening either. Um, and yeah, Matt Brown, man, still doing nothing. Matt Brown and Court McGee, that's a, that's the matchup. That's the matchup you make. I'm okay with. You know, those are the type of people you line up. Court's starting to get finished, though, man. I don't know. Court always had a pretty iron stars. chin. Huh? Yeah, stars. Yeah, I know. Court always had a pretty iron chin. Maybe we might be have to wrap it up soon here, buddy. Like, I don't know. Um, Because, yeah, Court McGee, his third ever knockout loss, and uh, that's two in a row. So... The other one was uh, seven years ago against Ponzinibbio, which was no shame in getting knocked out there. Now you're getting knocked out by old man Matt Brown, some guy named Jeremiah Wells. Uh, we all love Court McGee here, man. So whatever he wants to do, but we might be, you know, he's fought. He fights a style where, you know, you get a lot of hits in and, you know, you got a lot of decisions. There's a lot of damage has been taken over the years. Um, UFC's back next weekend with a truly awful card. Uh, headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. I'm pretty sure this became the main event about a week ago, right? Mm-hmm. Was, wasn't that what happened here? Because it was yeah, supposed to be Rocky Pennington versus Aldana was the main right. event. And I, I think Dern and Hill was supposed to be in this week yeah. and they moved it. And then uh, I just hope that Rocky Pennington got a check for them taking her opponent away. Yeah. A check just for something. Give her her show. Probably not. God. But, Give yeah. her her show, man. She had camp fees. She got a pregnant wife. Like, sure. come on, man. Yeah. Isn't Tisha Torres going to have a kid? Isn't that a thing I read? Uh, come on. Let's help her out. All right. News. News. Oh, yeah. Uh, Leon Edwards' brother beat Gegard Mousasi in Bellator. I, I, I have to pay attention to Fabian Edwards. Gegard's had a lot of fights. It's really fun yeah. talking about how old people are when they're our age, Mark. It's just really sure. just entertaining. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> That's um, just the truth. Francis Ngannou is going to announce tomorrow, which, let me tell you, as a guy running a podcast that records on Monday, not the biggest fan of Tuesday announcements. Uh, Francis Ngannou is going to announce next. He promised he teased some big announcement next week. Everybody's pretty confident he's about to sign with PFL um, in, for, in terms of MMA. So if it's MMA, probably that announcement. If it's boxing, Mike, you and I were talking before the show. I think both of us have a pretty clear number one as to who we'd want him to fight, right? Hmm. I forgot. I forgot what we talked about before this show. <laughs> Mark, do you remember? Yes, I do. Okay, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, even we're talking boxing. Yeah, right? boxing. Yeah, we we both want to see him fight Wilder. Yeah, um, and, and for the same reasons, I think that is a big marquee fight, right? Like, I think Wilder has a lot of star power, and he has no promoter think- worth mentioning too. He's a total free agent, Wilder. Also, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, but but also, I think stylistically, you know, Wilder, you know not to buy into his name too much is a little bit more wild in his fights. He's a big heavy hitter. He's not as like, you can say maybe he's not as like as technically attuned as like a Tyson Fury or um, an Anthony Joshua. Mm. So you would think maybe Francis would have 
a better shot in that stylistic type of matchup. And and again, it's just like it's two big guys that hit really hard. That's just a really fun match. So it sounds like a good I idea, man. They both look mm -hmm. like they're superheroes too. They're both just yeah. jacked yeah. and huge mm -hmm. and. I mean, Mike, that sounds like a good time. I mean, not not that anybody here is picking Francis and Godwin to win a fight, win this fight. Let's be clear about this. But it it it's enough of a fight for us to think like, oh, he might do this. He might hit him. Like he, you know, like Connor against Floyd seemed impossible because fucking as much of a sniper Connor is, no one hits Floyd. People hit Deontay. Like it's possible. Well, well, professional boxers hit Deontay. Yeah. Um, that's no. I mean, so we're obviously not we just are, all... not just random dudes that are just coming from being MMA guys. Okay, in fairness, that's... it's not just a random MMA fighter. He's also the heavyweight champion of the world. Like, there's that. Um... He's not nobody. Well, we want yeah, we want right. that he, fight though. Yeah. If we're gonna do this, that's the most fun probably for everybody though. It's him and Deontay. Yeah, and and and, and you got to figure that Francis. This, I think he maybe he fights in boxing twice. So it might as well be the biggest names he can get so he can just get the most pay-per-view buys. I mean, maybe it's because if by some grace of God, he wins the first one, right? Like, yeah. If he wins so the really first one, one, you know he's fighting Tyson Fury, right? If he wins his first one. Like, it's definitely, if he beats Deontay Wilder, he's fighting Tyson Fury. That's just And if he fight. gets knocked out, that's That's, that's it. it. Then we go back to him. Then we go PFL, yeah. which, Mark, I'm a big fan of everything PFL's doing. I know I'm the person who thinks they're running a money laundering operation, and I still do. But if they're going to buy Bellator and, you know, try to make a real push here, because I feel Bellator, I can't tell sometimes if Bellator's trying to do something here or not. It seems like they're dipping their toe in the water sometimes of being like, I'm really making a hard go of this versus just being like the nostalgia factory. You know, so I think this is a good, a good yeah. idea. I think if PFL buys Bellator, I think that that is really interesting because I think what Bellator has done that PFL hasn't really done as well is get a good market shell of notable guys. I think they have a lot of younger talent that's just not as well known, mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of name value. You know, I, I talk again about when Jake Paul first announced that he's partnering with them and they're going to do this pay per view type event thing where the fighters are going to get like guaranteed better percentage of the share which i think is awesome i kind of like that that's a focal point mm -hmm. um but the, the part i always kind of laugh at is like and then jake paul's trying to like boost up the roster of the pfl and it's a bunch of guys that like as someone who has watched mma for two decades and does a podcast i didn't know who the fuck any of them were except for uh joe bean Right, because he was a UFC guy, mm -hmm. and that's really it. And I think if they can get the roster of Bellator, they'll have the best of both worlds. Well, they'll have a lot of yeah, nostalgia, old mm -hmm. factor guys that could bring in people like me that are interested to see Chael Sonnen walk himself out there to, to to get slaughtered again. And then maybe we see some of the new blood as well. And Bellator also has, you know, it's not just to say it's all just old fighters. They have been able to grow some of their own yeah. fighters as well, and to see them matched up with some of the PFL because I think that that's where they also get some value. You put Pitbull in with one of the best PFL guys and the PFL guy wins, then it's like, oh, okay, like I need to take this. And they, they got an ESPN deal too right now. They're on, and ESPN. They're on ESPN. And it's just like, and, it's, like in said, a world where Showtime is trying to, and, and a world where Showtime is trying to sell Bellator too, you wonder the commitment there. And sure, uh, yeah. I'm norm Mike, I'm normally not in favor of fewer places for guys to work. But given the talent concentration we got in one place right now, like this isn't 2012 or 11 where like Strike Force is out there and Bellator's out there. Like UFC's got a real stranglehold on this thing right now. Like a little bit of consolidation of these other, of these lesser organizations, you know, not be not the worst idea in a world where like, you know, the UFC's out there like 
cutting deals with Cage Warriors to be their farm league and LFA. Like, you know, and then there's that guy from Glory just signed with PFL, some like world cast guy from Glory because UFC offered him like 10 and 10. And he, at PFL, they offered him like 120 to fight, basically. Like, I don't know where the money's coming from, Mike, but I mean, yeah. you're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're sitting here watching wrestling with me every couple, every week or so, realizing, hey, man, everybody's getting, making more money when there's somebody somewhere else to work. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, we talked about this um, last week, but, you know, it, it can, I think it can only uh, stand to benefit because ESPN deal, as you guys discussed, and, there's just the right mix of between the two of them if you combine it there's just the right mix of new and upcoming talent especially in pfl and more older established guys in in bellator that it could be just the perfect marriage absolutely um a little bit of other notes we got we it sounds like mark that uh topuria and josh emmett has been moved to the main event of the next card on abc I love that. I think that's a great move for. Um, yeah, I mean that fights. I mean, even if Tapuri awesome. doesn't win, they're both such fucking bangers, like such fucking yeah. like, knockout artists that I think it's gonna mm -hmm. be hard for that not to be a good time. Yeah, no, I agree. And then put, I mean, putting five rounds on it might be redundant. I don't know if it'll go that far, just yeah. with how those two guys fight and how much power they have in their fists. But like, uh, that was just a great fight. That that was that was great booking. That's that's one I'm really excited for. Put it on the main event. So other people that maybe aren't as familiar will maybe get exposed to it. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, sounds like they're trying to book Umar Narmegamedov versus Corey Sandhagen. Man, look at the big balls on Sandhagen if he's taking that fight, huh, man? That is a uh, that's a high, high risk for a guy who's what is what is Sandhagen right now? Three, two, something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I don't even yeah. know where um, I think like at 135, Umar's really good and he's ranked. 11th or she's tied for 11th with Ricky Simon or Ricky Simone. Sandhagen's four. Cejudo's been placed at three, I guess. I don't know. That's a, that's a, if he pulls it off, man, awesome. Sandhagen, man, he's going to keep beating all these young guys that they want to build off, you know, his name. That's not that Sandhagen's old, but he's kind of in a holding pattern when he's, when he got a loss to the champion in less than 90 seconds, right? Like Aljo went through him like a buzzsaw when they fought. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, speaking of Aljo, Aljo said he's not against a quick turnaround to take care of uh, Sean O'Malley, saying that he has a pretty clear uh, weakness that he can exploit. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, um, you know, he really has no choice in this matter. He won his little tug of war with the UFC. You're going to be fighting O'Malley in Boston. Um, but he's also right. I forget which one of you guys mentioned it before the podcast, but... I think we all know what O'Malley's uh, weak point is. Uh, yeah. Sterling is very <laughs> Sterling is very good at said grappling. So, you know, might as well like not give him any more time to, you know, bone up his skills in, in grappling. So why not? If O'Malley's the favorite in that fight, Mike. Betting so much money. Uh, right now, if it's a near favorite, I'm going. I'm going hundred bucks on Aljo for sure. I'm going. Yeah, I was just a about minimum hundred right minutes. now. I was like, you give me Aljo at anything minus two hundred or less. Like you give me Aljo at like minus one ninety, one eighty. Hammer. Hundred, hundred bucks right there on Aljo. Okay, man. I, we could be wrong. 
He might get clipped going he in. He could, but that is that is a bet. I am so dude, man. I mean, people keep people don't like him. I feel every Aljo betting law betting line is plays in the wrong direction. Um, let's try to see if we got any other news that uh, happened this week. Uh, bum. I think that might be it that I saw. Oh yeah, Nate Diaz and um, mm-hmm. Jake Paul. And Jake Paul did a did a press conference. Mm-hmm. And Mark, we were talking before the show. I felt that uh, Jay. It reminded me of the Nate versus Connor first press conference, where Nate's opponent. That point, at that time, it was Connor. This time, it was Jake. About halfway through, realized that they cannot get to this guy on any level mm-hmm. with their words. Yeah. They don't care. Like Nate doesn't give a shit. Like, why don't you give people some of the highlights we enjoyed <laughs> from Nate in this one? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right cuz he he doesn't it doesn't get to him and he doesn't fire back in the yeah. same way. Like he doesn't get uh, like riled up like a, a Tyrone Woodley or even like a Ben Askren who'd be joking around or something. So well, I mean, at one point like you mentioned uh Nate just got up and left to use the restroom. <laughs> he complained that this uh press conference was whack because there's no real people here, it's just a bunch of media. <laughs> um, and then at, at one point, Jake Paul brought out. I, I, we talked about it before the show. I don't know what those toys are called. Like, it, I mean, if you the describe monkey, it, the monkey symbol, the monkey playing, you, you hit the, the back symbol, and the symbols, yeah. you know, like Jake had one of those and he, he cranked it up. And he's like, oh, this is what's going on in Nate Diaz. Yeah, it's, it's an old Simpsons joke. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it, and it was like moments later, like when they're kind of sparring with each other verbally. And he's like, you just made some crack at Jake. Like, why don't you get your stuffed animal back out here? And stuff? <laughs> like, it's just like the way he kind of turns. He. he He's just really good at just turning everything on the other person to make them look he doesn't like the care jackass what you're talking and the about, idiot. Ultimately, like he, like it's even the fact that he even addressed the monkey because I feel a lot of times Nate doesn't even engage in the bullshit you're talking about. Right. He's just mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna say some stuff about you being on steroids. I'm gonna talk about Nick Diaz Army. I'm gonna talk how I'm fighting these hitters and I know I don't have any real losses. Like that's this, that's just the summary for Nate, and he doesn't care what you're saying. So he might mm-hmm. lose. He's probably the underdog. I'm sure he's the underdog, but. uh it looks, like Nate's, it looks like Nate's co-promoting, so he'll make a big check. So good for him, man. Yeah, right on. What is it, Mike? What is it that like we're at this point where we're like we we like we are happy for the MMA fighter who has the honor of getting the big check to lose a boxing match? Like, what does that say about where we're at here, man? <laughs> it says we're good people, and we like to see people get paid. That's oh, what it says. All these I'm people gonna also- be a half glass full. Mike, all these people on social media who are making fun of Francis and Gano saying he fumbled the bag. This is literally a guy out there like you're hearing stories how Francis goes into these meetings and tries to negotiate his opponent can't make less than this amount of money. Like it's a real thing this guy's doing and we want to shit on him. Yeah, what a rube. Yeah, Strong fuck word. him, huh? Fuck yeah. him. Fuck yeah. him for caring. Capitalism, man. baby. We're like you're not playing the game right. It's supposed to be cash money for you and f everyone else and your ethics and all this, but like He's been sticking to his guns. You know, he wanted certain things UFC wouldn't abide, and it wasn't about the dollars. Um, and he's still fighting for those things. So, it, like like you said you earlier, Bobby, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he lands tomorrow when you guys are listening to this. We'll we'll talk about it next week for sure. And I'm kind of interested. I mean, one, the dance partner is probably the most thing I'm most interested about. But like, if he does talk about the freedom he has in whatever he's doing, right? Like, he, if, he's, if it's a boxing announcement, I'm sure he's going to say, and then I'm going to do MMA after – or vice versa. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, speaking of people lacking integrity, Mike, you have a fight you want to talk about? You want to induct into fights we like? 
I do, and how perfect that one of you mentioned Chael Sonnen earlier uh, earlier in this uh, podcast. Well, you planted the seed, Mike, so it was an I easy know. thing to grasp. <laughs> Oof, I love it when a plan comes together. So, uh, my fight uh, comes from UFC 159, Jones versus Sonnen, April 27th of 2023 i was trying to find a fight that was around today's date none of them were really that compelling i saw one from like the end of april and i'm like yeah fuck it close enough so uh is that in new jersey the prudential center uh for some reason i didn't go to this it's probably broke but the fight i'm picking is the main event uh john jones who was the champion at the time versus uh chael sonnen they had just uh gone against each other in the ultimate fighter if i'm right that was the season that introduced us to uriah hall someone who was supposedly gonna be a uh no it was that it actually yeah it was it was right uh someone who was supposed to be a contender against uh anderson silva at the time but anyway the reason why i thought this fight was interesting enough to just talk about briefly is the fact that If not for just 27 more seconds, we would have had Chael P. Sonnen, the gangster from West Lynn, Oregon, as UFC light heavyweight champion. Why do I say that? Well, the reason why I say that is even though Chael Sonnen was getting his ass whooped in this fight and throughout the the, the first round... John Jones had, if I'm right, it was a uh, bit of bone sticking out from his uh, his big toe. He had he had a pretty gnarly uh, toe injury, and at four minutes and thirty three seconds of the first round, uh, John was able to uh, defeat Chael via TKO. And as is wont to happen when you're on adrenaline, you don't notice you have a pretty bad uh, toe injury. In the case of of Jones. And it wasn't until he was, I think, speaking with um, with Joe Rogan in the post-fight where I think it finally clicked that he had a pretty bad toe injury. And had the fight gone to, you know, the, the second round or, you know, in between the first and the second round, that fight definitely would have been stopped. There's no doubt in my head that it would have been stopped. And Chael would have won by TKO. So... Just a matter of a few seconds sometimes can keep you from, that was, uh, you know, your lifestyle journey. That was that whole thing was one of Chael's better uh, finessing of a check because that fight came out of the fact that I remember when like Dan Henderson had to pull out of the fight and uh, UFC 151 and they said, we want you to fight Chael Sonnen on two weeks notice. And John's like, you want me to fight a southpaw that I wasn't training for on two weeks notice? Uh, no, no, I would not like to do that. And then the UFC had put together truly the most dog shit card possible. So they had to cancel the whole pay-per-view. And then, you know, everybody shit on John Jones, including this podcast. Um, in retrospect, pretty, I'm not proud sure of it. We did, yeah. we did. I know we did. Um, and then Ch- John fought Vitor like a month later. And then he hyperextended his elbow, refusing to tap out to Vitor's armbar. So he's on the shelf and Chael kept talking shit. So all of a sudden we're doing Ultimate Fighter. And we get a pay-per-view. So Chael somehow negotiates a title shot. A reality show in a weight class he had zero wins in, in the company. Just A plus finessing job on that one, Marcus, right? 
Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, Gerald was able to kind of, you know, he used his mouth to write a lot of big checks that some, oftentimes his ass didn't couldn't cash. But, you know, he did what you have to do, man. Good for him. man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just real quickly, uh, you know, prayers to the guy who Chael ripped off for half of his promos. Superstar Billy Graham is currently uh, in life support in the hospital. So as all you guys out there thinking Chael is uh, some sort of, uh, you know, wordsmith. My man was just ripping off uh, 1970s. Superstar Billy Graham promos. So hopefully, you know, I don't know. Hopefully the guy kicks out there, for lack of a better term there. Um, all right. Um, this card's bad this weekend, but we're going to make a pick for the main event. Angela Hill, Mackenzie Dern. We're doing this for some reason. Mackenzie Dern, um, I believe her last fight was when she, did she lose to Yaw? Who'd she lose to? Yan Xiaonan was a while ago. That's what I'm trying to think. Was it? If I'm right, it was, it was Yawn. That was her last was fight, last last uh, October. God, why does that feel so much further? Yeah, further ago. So this was this fight was supposed to be on the card this last weekend, but due to some card reshuffling, now it's on this. It's the main event of this card, which honestly, with these Apex card, what I don't know why they did that. Like, who cares? This is. There's a fixed number of people watching these fights, so they didn't have to make this more difficult for these people. Um, so Mackenzie Dern coming off of a loss to Jan Jonan, a loss that looks even more impressive and looks even better now after Jan just uh, fucking wrecked um, Jessica Andrade. Was it a week and a half ago? Um, she's uh, before that she won a split over Tisha. Before that, lost to Marina Rodriguez. Because we're at the point now where we kind of were like Mackenzie Dern's going to fight a bunch of serious people now. Um, Angela Hill, without me even looking, I'm going to assume she lost her last fight by split decision. Let me check. Uh, she did not, actually. She, she won, won a decision. Fight. She's won two straight. Two. Mm -hmm. two straight. Um, she's the underdog in this one, right? She is. Um, I don't know the exact percentage. I'm at the exact odds, but she 145. Is plus 145 for her, minus 175 for Mackenzie Dern. Um, I believe last week I went three and zero, and I caught up a little bit. I, I, I caught up a little bit with you guys, with you guys a little bit. Like I picked up a game up. You um, did indeed. I'm uh, I am barely holding on to a lead, and the rest of you are tied at twenty three and sixteen. Well, buddy, you're in first. Go ahead and pick against Angela Hill. I am definitely picking against Angela Hill. Yep. <laughs> Mike um, will not be taking a underdog until he is not in first place. Whoa, just letting whoa, putting whoa, it out there right whoa. now. You are making it seem as if I'm just here just picking the favorites. And I resent that. I only do that with guys I have absolutely no idea who any of the guys are. Then I'm picking the favorite for My sure. My man dodged a bullet picking a guy, uh, picking Bryce Mitchell and Bryce Mitchell pulling out of that fight. Let's stand by that. <laughs> Should be tied right now. But okay, you got Mackenzie that was, Dern? That was all a strategy. Um, no, I'm, I'm picking Mackenzie Dern. Um, I think there's... I think she's just going to get this to the ground. And if she's going to get to the ground, she's a goddamn wizard down there. Um, Angela Hill, uh, she's very funky um, when it, with her, with her stand-up. Um, if, it, if it stays standing, um, she likely has a, an advantage there. But it's not like she has a lot of uh, stopping power in any of her punches. So even though she'll have the advantage, I think Mackenzie Dern will be able to power way through. Um, take the damage, grapple, and then get it to the ground and submit her. Mark, what do you got? 
Yeah, I have Dern as well. Um, guys are making this. It is. No I, I think it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting. Fight. Kill them, Bobby. I know. I'm, I have. Lo- no, I can't. But go ahead, <laughs> Mark. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think what really kind of solidifies this is I, I Dern's win against Tisha Torres. I think really speaks volumes. Uh, I, I I always hold Tisha Torres in in high regard as someone who's very durable, good on her feet, very well rounded and. Overall, I just find her to be a better fighter than Angela Hill. She was able to get a decision there. I think she's going to be able to do the same with Hill, if not get her to the ground and actually finish her. I, I do think, like Mike, if Dern's able to get this fight to the ground, we could see a dramatic change in her ability to, to finish the fight. Outside of that, if she can't, we just, we've seen a lot of Angela Hill fights where she does kind of fight after her mentor, um, Dominic Cruz. It's a lot of footwork. It's a lot of getting in and out. It's not always landing big scoring punches that really solidify around for her. I think a lot of times she gets these decisions because she's being very tactical. And she's not always winning over the judges because she's not landing the big shot. She's not solidifying the round in such a way where it's it's undeniable that she won this round. I think a lot of times it's like, well... She's doing good. She's moving around a lot. She landed some good shots. Sometimes her opponent can land on her too. So then we get into this scenario where it's kind of a, a coin toss. And, you know, sometimes she's on the right side. Sometimes she's on the wrong side. If the fight's like that, I think she has a decent chance of beating Dern. If she's able to just dance with her. Because Dern's stand-up, I think, has gotten better. But it's not great. Um, but I do feel like, yeah, if Dern can implement more of grappling, getting in the clinch, especially if she takes it down... Um, we're going to see a big difference in skill level there. So I think the safe bet is definitely dirt. Um, Mark, you know, you have something very much in common with Angela Hill. Mm, okay. You have the same number of wins over top 10 ranked fighters. I got uh, I got Mackenzie Dern. I guess we all do. Then, yeah, right? exactly. we all have a lot in common. No, I, I, I didn't want to slam her like that. that. We, you, know, you guys know how much we like her. We like Angela Hill. She seems like a – she's good on the desk. She's a very thoughtful fighter. She cool. comes off very yeah. cool – um, I just don't think she's that good. Sorry, she's not. I think the record. She's not. Kinda, she's I not. Mean, look we're, she's, we're too many fights in for me to think otherwise. You know. Yeah, she's fifteen and twelve. Um, she had a great run when she got let go of the UFC. Like, I guess I think in a smaller pond, like Invicta, she really shined and she looked really great. I think when when you're back in the UFC with the level of talent they have here she's had a hard time, right? Like it has not been great. A 15 and 12 record is not a great record. 10 and 12 in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little worse. Mm. And to that point too, like also she takes a ton of fights. Mm. Like this is a girl that is extremely active. I think she might have the most fights as a female fighter. I thought I read that somewhere. She's up there. I mean, they in the company. I think so. I mean, she got 22 of them. Yeah. So there we go. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so yeah, I just, I just can't pick her is what it is. So, I'm not. I sure I picked the other person to win the last couple of fights too. It's just she won two in a row, though, man. Maybe she turned a corner. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yep, we're all wrong. Maybe we might be. I just seems like Mackenzie also at like is good enough now to you know take care of people at this level. So um, the rest of this card doesn't really do anything for me. It's pretty bad. Um, of course, when we say the card is bad, card is bad. Doesn't mean it couldn't turn out to be good. It means it lacks all relevant fighters and fights. Um, because there's some notable names. There's that. I like, I like Emily Ducati seen. and Lupita Godinez. I like both those fighters. That's probably the other one I'm most interested mm-hmm. in. You know, and uh, Buckley, I think, is always a fun fighter. 
Joaquin Buckley. Michael yeah, not Johnson. bad. I mean, I mean, a shout out to Carolina Kovalkiewicz still fighting anybody. Um, so I thought she was going to retire at one point. Uh, Vanessa Demopoulos, I think she's got she's you know done some stuff in the UFC here three and one. So we'll see. But yeah, no one's going to watch this. So you know, I'm going to watch your boy Latifi. Did I miss Latifi? Oh, yeah, last year? Your boy's on this card. Oh, he's Latifi. on real early. Are they feeding oh, him yeah. to somebody? A 30-year-old who is 9-1 with only submission victories, pretty much. I don't know. This feels like – I really feel the UFC, a lot of times these fights isn't with purpose anymore. It's just we got to put some fights. We're we're creating content. That's it. Um, All right. Um, This is going to be a quick one, I guess. Uh, Stuff we like. Um, I'll go first uh, because I don't think mine is terribly – Complicated. Um, I talked about Bad Bunny last week, right? Just so I'm clear. Yeah, yeah, yes. good. Because if not, I've I watched that. Th- I watched his entrance like four times since. By the way, just that band had an all time entrance at Backlash. Um, did you guys both watch Ted Lasso this week? Yeah, caught up. Uh, what was the episode again? Um, um mm-hmm. Isaac goes into the crowd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This might have been the best episode of that TV show they've ever done. I think my two cents. I think every part of it was basically perfect. I know we're going to talk about the whole season when it ends, which I think is... Was this it? Next one? Yeah, I don't know uh, if it's 9 or 10. It's either, I, know it's, I think it's either done there. to last week. Either Let me look real quickly. If uh, it is, they haven't, they haven't even gotten to any of the Nate stuff with Ted yet. Do they need... I don't know, man. This, is, this show doesn't follow the same necessarily, the same stuff everybody else is doing, though, so... I just, man, him having an arc, a redemption arc, which I thought would be next to impossible. They're doing it, man. Right? Like, they're mm-hmm. doing it. Like, maybe this guy isn't, you know, a giant piece of shit. Uh, looks like they have three more. 17th, oh. 24th, All right. 31st. All right, that makes sense. Um, so there's like a there's like 11 episodes? 12. 12 That episodes? was nine. Okay. So we have 10, 11, okay. and 12. Okay. The, first, all, the first season was 10. Second season was 12. So... Um, I th- honestly, they, um, without spoiling much of the season, um, there was a lot of issues addressed here in terms of like sexuality and, uh, the role of fans in, um, yeah. how they treat professional athletes in general, you know, it wasn't just about professional athletes, but the way fans treat entertainers really is we're talking about. Cause that's what these people are. Um, the impact I thought of just like friends and family dealing with. With, you know, someone dealing with someone's, you know, sexuality announcement or something like that. I also thought that everything Roy Kent did in that press conference was some of his, like, the best work that guy's done as an actor. I thought that was gold. I just thought it was, I just, honestly, I mean, maybe, if you, some of you guys think I really thought they hit a home run with that episode. I was talking to my dad about it because he's a big fan. He thought, he thought that was the best episode this, you know, this, uh, this show's had. So, he thought. What'd you guys think, Mark? What'd you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I think the only thing that it did kind of like, mm. I, don't, I mean, we don't want to get into spoilers, but uh, who who is the guy that that went into the crowd? The captain, Isaac of the team, Isaac. Some of the tension at first, like it didn't really like. I don't think it totally made sense. I think they they did certain things so the payoff at the end would hit harder. 
but it didn't seem like how he reacted and why he was so he was always such a against- hothead always deal too that's the thing i don't know i kind of based on all these guys always such a hothead maybe he just yeah like- maybe he just has a hard time verbalizing it just i mean it, it did seem like i, I felt mm. like halfway through the episode it was like i don't like what they're doing mm. with him because it feels like they're doing them like too dirty like i don't understand why they would do this and then it was it was all just to pay off in the end when you know the resolution comes and i don't want to get into too much spoiler stuff because we'll get into that when we talk about Mm. but overall again it was it was fantastic and those things you 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 touched upon were really good oh you know what i found interesting marcus sorry mm. to cut you off so we were talking Mm. about it last week the previous episode where they were dealing with um one of the characters having some private photos leaked and stuff Mm. So um, one of the people who wrote that episode, so I'm not sure I've ever mentioned this, but um, the woman who plays um, the only bad guy, the only real bad guy in the show, Rupert, um, the one who plays Rupert's new wife, the young, attractive okay. one. Mm-hmm. So that woman is was a well-known like model in the UK, like a lingerie model. She was famous okay. you know, for being a model and attractive and, you know, and all that. They have a whole culture of like, the long, like you know, almost like the way Maxim and FHM was back in the day here. Sure. Still a big culture. Did, did she have a leak? Um, she did have a leak, and she wrote. She was one of the people who wrote the episode. So she famously oh, had like a sex shit. tape leak. For real? So it was someone writing from a position of um, wow, of experiencing that. So which I found that kind of interesting because I was like, wow, I was I was really because it was such an interesting turn on that show. I thought to be addressing that, and I was I was I was just looking at it like, oh, she wrote it. She was one of the writers of that show, which. I'm sure they were like, hey, you went through this. What were you feeling? What did people try to get you to like Same do and do like apologize and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff? Um, I don't know. I thought that was really fascinating to hear. But Mike, what were your thoughts on the episode this week? I I thought they were very – I thought it was very good. I would agree with Mark's uh, critique um, when it comes to the thing with Isaac mm. just because they were really leading hard into making you think – that he was being homophobic. Did like, you ever think he was? With, honestly, no. Like, given the show no. we're watching, that's like the everybody whole, in this show is so emotionally time, mature. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was thinking is because they're friends and he didn't trust them enough to tell. Right. Because well, I've seen it, it in a few. I've seen it in enough I mean, look, shows. Fucking, spoiler, 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 spoiler. People, this right, this next thing. When he said, "What is it about me that made you think you couldn't tell me?" I thought that was a really like uh, the way they led up to it with how angry he was. They tried to, you know, they're trying to get you to they're trying to get you to fall for it, right? That like yeah, he was gonna be homophobic. I mean, I think that's a good line, Bob. But the only thing that like, but it's like he knew no one knew. It wasn't because I, I think the thing that kind of turns against that line is like, well, he didn't tell anybody. Like, I thought he, I think it wasn't, he viewed himself as being the captain of this team and being. I think like he viewed he the way the way Roy was like the one everybody went to. I think just uh, this is me just reading between. I could be this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was thinking, "Hey, man, I'm the guy. Everybody like, there's all the players. Then there's Ted, and then in between the coaching staff is me as the captain of this team. I should be aware of what everybody's going through. And I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I just know what you guys are saying because they really tried to bait you into thinking Isaac yeah. was like because they they everybody come off as such a good person on this team, right? That they yeah. had to almost. And I never believed them. In fairness, either. yeah. And like Mike, and, and probably like you, Bob. Like I never. Okay, I always thought it was going to be like, okay, it's just because he's upset that he didn't come, he wasn't, you know, honest with him, or he felt like he was lying with him or something. But like, they do play it so much that they are making him almost seem like he's homophobic with like, 
just how he won't like interact with like he was giving him the cold shoulder in such a way it's just like okay this doesn't seem like he's just yeah. upset he didn't tell him something difficult like because everyone knows how yeah. difficult it is to come out but but overall yeah they all it, it ended with all the the hugs and kisses that you want that makes you feel good and that's kind of why you I, get I liked, into the I liked show, when so. they were playing fifa and he just goes i yeah, love you and then the guy says is like he's like you can't say it back huh no you know but you know i do you know i like that i thought that yeah, was really that was sweet cute. um that was great and uh yeah and uh everything with nate and the girlfriend that thing they're doing a good job with just like nate is yeah. like you realize it's not so much that he's an evil person he's just the most insecure human being you would ever imagine well, well i think i think that was interesting when you said before like oh i didn't think they'd be able to turn him around and it was like but like you're almost forgetting like he was one of the most lovable characters mm-hmm. in the beginning like he was the guy that had no confidence that ted was able to bring that out and then it was just like his turn has been so he went the other way so hard where he's become mm-hmm. such like an unlikable character it it, it like you, Bobby, you almost seem for a while like there's no way I'm gonna get back on this guy's side. And then you start seeing that lovable Nate again in that way where he seems like because he got to this such hard exterior where he was just such like a, a d bag, right? Yeah. And then when you see the the waitress, the the hostess, kind of like turn it on him and made him feel kind of like insecure again, and then she softens up to him. Like that whole storyline has been really good, and just seeing that old Nate come back has been really refreshing. Like, oh, you know, like I kind of miss that character. He was so sweet and nice and. I did again. I don't want to get too much. I, I didn't think it was funny when he tried to get like the um, I don't know what they call it, the, the the wolf the wolf pack together in his new club. Oh god, that all was the other guys. I felt, were like I don't dude, understand. It's like, I can't do a lot of like a lot of cringe humor gets to me a lot of times, sure. and I don't think this is cringe. But like it was Nate gets right on the edge of me being so uncomfortable for Nate at so many times. Where I'm just like, oh Nate, it's like it, it almost feels like Nate is just like when you're like 13 years old and you don't know how to really handle yourself as a person right. at all that's nate's character like as a whole like he doesn't mm. know how to handle everything he is and uh, by the way i learned that dude's got a show on peacock with um schwimmer yeah I with, uh, I with ross him. from Fra- ross from friends they got a show mm-hmm. it's like in its second season nate, which nate okay. yeah nick muhammad i was just like i might check this out uh, nick muhammad yeah um, that was yeah. I know we talked about my thing, which was supposed to be short for ten minutes here, but I thought that was I thought they really hit a home run. You know, I'll probably stop telling everybody to watch Ted Lasso every single week, and we'll save it for you know the end of the month show. But that's what I got this week. Um, Mark, what do you? Oh, Mike, you want to go first? I, I have a very short okay. one. Um, uh, so I don't have a stuff I like this week. It's something I hate this week, and it is uh, Best Buy's uh, delivery service. I was being lazy and I pre-ordered Legend of Zelda um, Tears of the Kingdom and I thought, alright, yeah, it'll get here on, on Saturday. I still have all of Sunday to play. It'll be great. And it won't be getting here until Wednesday now. And that's some bullshit, man. I, I should be like 10 hours in at this point. So go fuck yourself, Best Buy. Mike living a non non-digital gaming life in 2023 mark this seems he like wants, a, this he, seems like a mic problem he, he wants those physical copies um it, it's not because i actually i read an article on kotaku because in new york at least mike didn't try to get it from the official nintendo store because i guess on saturday i mean it was freaking hot over here i guess it was really hot in new york too and there was a bunch of people i guess that would have been friday actually that were trying to get up the nintendo store is a huge line is like heat wave in new york and people were you know sweating it out so mike's not the only one um but yeah i mean for the vast majority of people uh tears of the kingdom is talk of the town i did mention it last week um this was like the big game coming out and 
I, personally, I'm not playing it. I never finished Breath of the Wild. So I, I don't feel comfortable jumping into a direct sequel and not knowing all the changes. But surprisingly and unsurprisingly at the same time, this game has reviewed extremely well. Um, surprisingly, because I think there was a lot of people kind of thinking this is a direct sequel. How much are they going to change to really make it feel new and different than Breath of the Wild, which already was such a big leap from what the 3D Zelda games have been for so long. This open world world format where it's very non-linear. You can kind of do and explore wherever you want. Um, how are they going to like recapture that? How are they going to make a sequel that would surpass what that first one did when it was just such a phenomenal hit? Um, and for a long time, it, was, it wasn't clear how this game was really going to differentiate besides adding in more areas that are floating above Hyrule. And it wasn't until like a month ago they kind of showcased more of the gameplay elements that I think really changed the game, where you're going to be able to make kind of your own makeshift vehicles and um, some of the things that you can do with fusing objects together to make um, different weapons and stuff like that, I think has really revitalized the game. And then I've seen some reviews where they talked about some of the stuff they haven't talked about before that really kind of expands the whole world that you're able to explore even more so than what they've already showed. So it's been reviewing extremely well. It, it, it's weird. I I normally am that type of gamer that wants to get the newest thing and be part of the zeitgeist and the conversation. So it does feel a little weird. Like all the videos in my feed are all about Tears of the Kingdom and I'm still at the point where it's like, I, I feel like I will get there eventually, but I'm not there now, so I don't want to spoil it. Um, but, you know, kudos on them. You know, they had huge shoes to fill and they did a phenomenal job doing it. Um, I think it's like a 97 on Metacritic or Open Critic or a 96, which is extremely difficult nowadays to get that high of a rating because... H has there been a Zelda game where it just got ripped apart? Has there been a Zelda game that just got carved up by critics? Um, I mean, there are some that I don't think, you know were as well received i think wind waker was one of those like especially at the time people yeah. weren't super pleased um and it's because they kind of did a, a a turn they they showed what was going to be the next zelda game and it looked more like realistic graphics and people were really excited for that and then it turned out like they kind of changed the art style and the whole motif of the game and i think at the time people weren't Super and, thrilled with Wind Waker. And don't get me wrong, with Wind Waker, it wasn't the gameplay. It was just the fact that it was like a very, very different cell shaded thing that they were doing with the graphics. Wind Waker yeah. now is considered one of yeah. the best Zelda games. Yeah. And I think there were a couple on DS that like the Phantom Hourglass. I don't remember people being quite as excited for it. Yeah, and diminished, diminished yeah. Cat. But yeah, I don't think Bob they've ever okay. Besides, there what there are the CDI games. Oh, and, and Zelda, Zelda too. Link too. Yeah. That's another one. I think again at the time people didn't like, but I do hear people now oh, saying like, it, "Oh, is, I really is this one a straight it, sequel?" But... You said like you have to play the first one yeah. to understand it. I mean, I've read a lot of articles saying like you don't need to finish Breath of the Wild, but it is a direct because most of the Zelda games are completely separate. They're mm. you're you're playing as Link. But it's like a different timeline. It's a different time in the chronological, and like they have nothing to do with the previous games. Mm -hmm. Besides, um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask was the only other time they did like a direct sequel, where it's like this game goes directly into that one. And even that one, you don't want to get into the timelines of Zelda because I think like they just made all that. Bullshit. Majora was a, Majora <laughs> was also a sixty-four game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's and that that was a thing too, where our coworker Chris was complaining because that game got released very shortly after Ocarina of Time. It was like uh, less than a year. 
And it was because like they basically had all the assets. They were just changing kind of smaller things. And that's kind of what a lot of people thought Breath of the Wild was going to be. Like, why is it taking so long for this game to come out when you already have the map? You have all these enemies and stuff. Like, how much are you really changing? And I think now it's proven that like, oh, they did quite a lot. They added these new mechanics. This whole being able to build your own vehicles thing is a lot more intricate than people thought. And the whole combat system with fusing different items together to make unique weapons is a lot more than I think what anyone envisioned so wait that yeah, was it, was that it, also part of the um breath of the wild or is that just new to this new one no like these are new things okay, the, the I, making... saw, I saw i was watching mm -hmm. um when the 90 came out i was on one of the people i follow on twitter is ron mm -hmm. funches sure and ron was live streaming the game so i watched him play for like a few minutes and he was like welding like a hook onto a like a grab like a yeah, like a wire to go across a fucking yeah like, you're legend. able to like fuse items together to make like ships and i think in that one there's like yeah like a hook so you can like get dragged up somewhere like so that that's one part where you're able to make these kind of intricate vehicles and there's also this whole other system with the weapons and being able to fuse mm -hmm. items with the weapons to make like hybrid weapons and stuff like that so they, they they've proven themselves that they've added a lot to this and you know it, it reflects in the review score. is is uh, miyamoto still like is he how involved is this dude because he's, I mean, like, he's credited his... he's created as the creditor of, of the creator of well, this he's Mario, the creator Kong, yeah all these ones but he's not the director of breath of the wild or this game i don't remember who, he's 70 years old how involved is. is he at this point is what you know yeah. is, like, i mean I, still, I think in i think in some games he's more of like a creative lead type than like orchestrating game mechanics and, and map mm. layout and stuff like that. But I wasn't going to talk. I mean, I had to talk about Tears of the Kingdom to some extent. I haven't been playing it, so I don't have any personal firsthand ex experience. I, I've never played any Zelda game more than like, I think I played Ocarina of Time, of to Ocarina uh, uh, one time for 10 minutes. I played more yeah. as Link in Smash Brothers than I have in any, sure. which I was telling myself like I like I, I kept telling myself I was gonna borrow to borrow Breath of the Wild from you or something or download it or something. Yeah, but like it's just seemed, um, I mean I don't know I just never I never I never I always sound cool to me I just never got into them I don't know well, yeah you I can mean, always uh, just play uh what's the one for the Super Nintendo a uh, Link to the Past uh, for free on uh on yeah, the online uh, thing oh. yeah your Super Nintendo online thing but yeah I mean Bobby you never striked any of us is like an RP is an action RPG. Those usually haven't really been your types of I, games. So I, I, it's I was not, hanging not on Mario Land, buddy. That was my Nintendo yeah, drug of choice yeah. was Mario. I'm the, I got yeah, more and, hours in Mario Odyssey than anybody you guys know. Just letting you guys know sure. that. All right. <laughs> and like you said, like still haven't had a sniff of another 3D Mario game, which I think is also can I get frustrating. One? Can I get a second Mario? Am I the yeah. only one asking for this? Is that a thing? Like, no, because no, Mario is actually, I don't want to <laughs> diverge too much because we're starting to run late now, but I was watching a stream and one of the girls playing on it was like she loves odyssey like she likes the the zelda games fine but she's like i if if a genie came and said like yo you can have a new odyssey too mm -hmm. but there can never be another zelda game she's like yeah in an instant i do that because i'm i'm so much more interested in that than zelda so you're not the only one bob mm. but um you know i, I don't want to give them too much credit because they did mike so dirty but best buy kind of came through for me not i mean i don't think they were the only one um, but I had, and I've talked about it previously on other episodes. I've kind of been waiting for retail to get a, uh, PA PSVR two. Um, I didn't want to buy it through their direct. So I was waiting for a Best Buy or a Target or Walmart, whatever, to start getting those in stock. Cause they were only selling them through Sony. So this Friday was when they actually started getting them in retail. So I did go pick myself up a PSVR two. 
Um, I really, I had, I had the first one for PS4. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think VR is a very interesting experience, and this seems to be a good upgrade from, especially where uh, the first one was. Uh, and my first experience with it was. I played the Star Wars. I can't remember what game it was. I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's basically based on Batu from the Disneyland thing. And like it was better, but like I, I kind of felt the motion sickness because I haven't played VR in a while. And it didn't really kind of like blow my socks off the first time I played it. The next day, I tried Gran Turismo 7, which a lot of people kept saying, like, oh, this is phenomenal in VR. And it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around like why this would translate so well or why this game was receiving so much like positive acclaim. Um, and then I played it and I was like, holy shit. Like I'm, and again, I'm not much of a car guy, but like from all the VR experience I've, I've had, this felt the most authentic where I felt like I was in this car racing around the track and it was so immersive and fun. I was like, and, and again, it, it, Gran Turismo seven is a game I played when it came out. I enjoyed it enough. Um, but, it, you know, I'm not a big car guy, so it didn't really latch on to me. And now I'm playing it in VR and it's like it's totally blown the doors off. Like I'm I'm playing longer sessions and more frequently because it is just so fun to be in that car. And then like and again, it's like these little things that again, now as a car person, like I tweak my car and as I'm revving up, it's like, oh, yeah, like I could tell like this thing has some turbo bullshit in it because it doesn't sound like a normal car should um and it's just it's 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 all these little things like instead of having to push a button to look behind me i just look in the rearview mirror i look in the side mirrors you can see i only play like inside the dash everything's just like all the work that that game put into like making sure these cars looked authentic i think it was all fine and well and good when you weren't in vr but really paid off so much more when you're actually in that car and you see the reflection of your driver in like the the dash glass. It's just it, it's really insane. And then I played some other games too. I played like Tetris Effect in uh, in VR, and that and that was really enjoyable and fun. And then I played um, my big workout game for VR was the Creed Road to Glory, whatever. And it's not even a great boxing game. And I feel like an idiot when I play because I don't feel like I'm actually boxing. I feel like I'm just flailing to try to hit something. But it's fun and active and it, it, I totally break a sweat. Uh, and I guess the one thing I really like about the headset is that the screen on the first one, the screen on this one is good, but it's kind of what you would expect a screen in this day and age for VR to look like. And it was really just the first PSVR one was really shitty. Like it, everything just looked really blurry. Everything looked like it had Vaseline on it. Nothing seemed clear. Now this one's in supposed to be in 4K OLED. And like, it's not even that like, the visuals blow my socks off. It's just like, okay, this looks clean and sharp and how I expect it. And before it just looked a little like muddy and not as great. So yeah, I've really been enjoying um, my time with PSVR two. Um, right now there is a complete lack of games. There's not a lot of software. So that's definitely something that I'm hoping that ramps up, but the system has only been out for like four months or so. So it hasn't been a super long time. There was a couple of YouTube channels I wanted to mention before uh, I close out. One of the ones I stumbled upon this last week that I've actually two weeks ago that I really loved. Um, this guy's doing a really fun challenge uh, in the YouTube is a stupid name. It's the T H A beast seven, two, one. It's some, you know, younger kid than us that grew up with the N64, but he's doing this N64 challenge 
where he's going through and beating every N64 game, including exclusives for Japan and PAL. And it's just really fun to see. And then I, I think another kind of fun twist to that is that a- after he beats a game, he randomly selects the next one. So he never knows what he's going to play next. And I think the videos, I, the guy is kind of monotone and stuff, but like they are really fun. And he's really good. at. I mean, what I've come to really appreciate in his videos, like he's good. Like he's good at video games. I can't, I don't think you can beat every N64 game if you don't have some kind of decent skill in gaming which makes it fun and then the videos are very short and concise i think most of them are nine to 15 minutes at most um and then some of them are a bit longer and then the last channel i stumbled upon that i've really been enjoying is just called video game magazines as a kid i grew up reading egm and game pro and stuff like that and this these videos are literally just like 10 seconds on the page layout like you just look at a page and it goes to the next page and it just brings back a lot of memories it's unfortunate that at least when i'm watching it i can't read the art like i couldn't pause and read the articles so i'm very much experiencing it like i did as a kid where i'm literally just like looking at screenshots and pictures and seeing what an article is or seeing what a review score is i'm not able to actually read the content which i'd be more interested in now than i want than uh, i was when i was a kid but really having a fun time watching kind of looking through those old magazines like PSM and EGM magazines. So yeah, that's what I got this week. All right. Um, we're going to be back next week. To, well, there's no card. So we're going to do something. We'll fart around we'll here. We'll fill it out. Yeah. Exactly. We fill an hour easy. Exactly. And someone will have someone will have played Zelda at that point. Uh, it's going to be Mike. <laughs> he's, he's holding it up for us. So we'll do the, we'll talk about Zelda. We'll talk about maybe we'll talk about who wins this main event this Saturday, I guess, if some cool shit happens. Um, yeah. Um, till then, I don't know, man, watch some basketball. There's no Warriors. There's no Knicks. I don't know why you would. Right, Mike? What the fuck's the point? Um, well, Lakers and the Celtics are still in the. In, oh, yeah, but you can just, so guys, play. go ahead and write down that the Celtics and the Lakers are going to the finals, right, Mike? Let's not lie to ourselves about what's going to happen here, right? Like, I don't know, man. I'm oh, yeah, the NBA is going to give us Denver's, Denver's – they're going to get this close to Lakers versus Celtics. They're going to give us Denver versus Miami instead? Both very compelling matchups, man. Yeah. Not, okay, let me so – I'm just going to say this. There's no scenario where Miami and Denver shoot more free throws than their opponents in these series. They might <laughs> still win. Zero percent chance they're shooting more free throws. All right? Um, until next week, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, the Warriors should trade Jordan Poole. Peace. See ya. You heard he uh, had a $500,000 day with Ice Spice. I did not know what I, what an Ice Spice was until I read that. And then I thought, she's an attractive young woman, but he's got $150 million. And plenty of women chasing him i don't know i didn't get it but 500k 500k did he that mean he gave her 500k or it cost him 500,000 on fees it cost him it cost if if he gave it did she did she get a a hooker did she get a diamond at the end of it for like 400 worth 490 grand what did he i mean the the theme song's over so i'm just asking now what what happened (laughs) oh we we literally talked right through the the yeah go ahead tell me how did he spend 500 grand explain the math to me because i'm missing something i i don't know um that's some real new money shit to spend 500k 
awesome chick that ain't even your girl. There we go. And like, Ka- like Cameron, like Cameron and Mesa when they were talking about this, Cameron was like, "Yo, this chick is from Fordham, bro. Like, go to Fordham and you'll see why I was so wrong. You spent five hundred k on this chick." Okay. And Mace just goes, "Yo, you could have got her a pizza." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you all for listening. Uh, hey, man, John Morant, you want to be a warrior? Well, uh, you know, Memphis, we'll give you Jordan Poole and Wiggins. All right, buddy, peace out. Thanks. See ya.